Sometimes the weather can be indicative of how a baseball team performs, and that's pretty accurate right now for the Cleveland Guardians, as it's currently snowing outside. Uh, yes, it's snowy and cold, <laughs> just like the bats in Cleveland have been. And with that, I'd like to welcome you to Guarding the Corner. I am James. Uh, that was Brian that you just heard. And before we get into it, just a quick reminder, like, comment, share, subscribe uh, this podcast. It's available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and thisisbelieveone.com. Now, yeah, do, do all of those things. Uh, make sure you do that. And then, yeah. Make sure that you uh, subscribe so that you can uh, get notifications and whatnot whenever we're going to be going live. So Yeah, definitely. Uh, like, comment, share, subscribe, all, all the fun stuff. Rate, definitely rate. Five stars. Uh, all the other ratings don't work, so five stars is the only one you can give. Um, yeah, uh, just spam our comment section with Stephen Kwan stuff. We'll, yes. We're totally okay with that. Uh, but it has been three days since Stephen Kwan has been on base, so is it time to sound the alarm? I don't think so. I mean, let's be let's be honest here. Uh, there was always going to be a correction of sorts uh, oh, with of this performance. Um, this is water finding its level for the most part. Um, yeah, they, I said that mostly tongue in cheek because it, it for a while there it seemed like we weren't going to go twenty four hours with that man being on base. <laughs> you know, they did go from scoring uh, what was that uh, forty four runs against uh, the Royals and Reds to to just four. In three games the, against San Francisco. Yeah, not many. Yeah, the 58 hits on 44 runs against the Reds, yeah. Um, but, yeah, totally totally different vibe in this series. But you, you mentioned water finding its level. Um, I think that kind of happened for the Guardians team as a whole, not just Stephen Kwan's bat. Yeah, because you, you look at the how they performed across the three games. We'll get into it just a little bit in a little bit. But uh, they did not necessarily perform up to a similar level that they were before. But, you know, of course, that was an unrealistic expectation considering they were like the 27 Yankees when they were playing <laughs> those four games. Yeah, they were absolutely on fire. Uh, that was that was a pace that was definitely not sustainable. We knew that. Um, but we didn't know how dramatic the, the drop-off was going to be. You know, I didn't expect it to be quite this severe. But, you know, going against... A familiar foe in Carlos Rodon, maybe it should have been expected. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, they had 58 hits in the previous four games. They had just 17 over these three games. Mm. Uh, the combo of Rodon, Desclafani, and Wood combined to allow just three runs on 11 hits in 16.2 innings. But yeah, I mean, the Giants staff as a whole, that's they're on a five game winning streak and have kept run. They haven't given up more than two runs in that entire streak. So it, it was not just the Guardians. You know, their pitching has been hot for, for a minute now. Mm -hmm. it, it, it has been. And, you know, we, we look at the, the difference in, the, in roster construction between these two teams. The Guardians have the youngest roster in all of baseball. The right. Giants roster from top to bottom is filled with veterans. You know, from Brandon yes. Belt to Brandon Crawford, uh, Mike Yastrzemski. And, you know, uh, you know, Joey Bart's probably the youngest guy on their team, but, you know, Tommy Lestella's hurt he wasn't playing, but he's another yeah. veteran guy on their roster. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Tyro Estrada's been in the league for four years, so it's not like it's not like it's Owen Miller and his, what, handful of bats he's gotten in his career? Yeah, exactly. That's a really good point, you know, and especially in a season with the short and spring and things like that, you should expect a veteran team like this to have a little bit of an edge on you. Mm -hmm. um, you know, especially with the conditions not being great either, you know. Um, I, I think that that kind of 
played itself out how how we kind of thought it would, you know. Um, just the experience showed throughout this series. Um, they just, you know, got the better of us, and we had to empty out the bullpen in this series too. We we used just about every arm that we've got, uh, and and not to, not to terrible, you know, results. It, it, our pitching hasn't been awful, but it, it certainly hasn't been um, hasn't been great. The the one thing that I I noticed. Um... And I, when I was doing a, just a quick little recap this morning of this series, was the the one big difference between the two teams is that the Giants were able to score runs late in the game, and that's ultimately the difference between a team that wins and a team that loses. And you know, when you look at teams that have experience versus teams that are young, this is usually where things generally kind of separate. Uh, yep. Eight of their sixteen runs came in the sixth inning or later in these three game series. Right. And I, I mean, we knew that the bullpen was not going to be a particular strength for us this year. So, you know, that makes sense as well. But yeah, offensively, you have to be able to score in those late innings if you want to win games. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, they didn't. I, I think they only scored one run uh, in that same span. Yeah, we had the one run in the seventh. Um, that was the sacrifice fly. But other than that, um, no runs after the seventh in the first game or the second game. And I do not believe. Ah, so two runs from the seventh inning ah, or later in the two. entire series. Okay, so eight to two. I yeah. Mean, that that's that's big. <laughs> yeah, it's big. And uh, on top of that, you know, you look at um, how many arms we used. You know, uh, the the Giants got through that first game only using three arms. You know, so they uh, they were just very effective and very efficient. And uh, we kind of were struggling to to get in a groove. Um, a lot of that had to do with matchups and things like that, mm-hmm. you know, getting guys matched up. But, um, you know, no, nobody was particularly stellar uh, in the series. And you're right. And so let's dive into that first game against the Giants with Rodon on the mound. Uh, you know, <clears throat> in the preview, we talked about how Rodon pretty much owned the Guardians last year. Uh, mm-hmm. He had the no-hitter. Uh, there was the one game where they did get to him a little bit, but it still wasn't that bad. But, right. you know... You looked at their track record, just like history says that they're going to struggle, and they did. <laughs> they did. Yeah. They only got two hits off a road down. They walked twice, but they struck out nine times. Nine, yeah, nine times. Nine Ks <laughs> for Rodon. Um, 59 strikes on 90 pitches. Um, only gave up the one earned run and just the two walks, too. So, I mean, he had just a stellar outing. Um, and he went seven innings as well, you know, which is something that you're not seeing a lot of guys do. Uh, early on in the season, so uh, they got about everything that they could get out of him um, in this game. Yeah, I mean, it, he, they got length out of him, you know, and he was uh, <clears throat> he was someone that length wasn't necessarily a big part of his game for a long time when he was with the White Sox. Uh, right. Effectiveness was also not a part of his game either, but he seems to have uh, found uh, a good spot, and, you know, being in San Francisco, being with the Giants and a good veteran team, he's a, he just slides right into that team, just like a perfect, you know, match for that roster. Yeah, it really is. It's a little surprising to me how, how comfortable he looks this early, um, but it did seem like it was going to be a good fit for him um, from the beginning. Yep, and then the, the Giants turned to Tyler Rogers and uh, Camillo Doval for the final two uh, frames. Only allowed one hit. That was off of Doval in the ninth but mm-hmm. did not really make anything as the game was 4-1 to because Joey Bart homered in the 8th. But 
Let's go yeah, over the, the damage was uh I just wanted to mention real quick, all the damage was done with the home run ball um, in yeah. this game. Yeah. There was the two the two solo home runs in the second and the sixth, uh, and then the Bart homer um with Estrada on base. So yeah, it was the home run ball all day long that was kind of the uh, bugaboo for the Guardians. And let's look at the, the Guardians pitchers here. I mean, I think Zach Plesak did all right. I mean, five and a third, two runs allowed, four strikeouts, seven hits allowed. Uh, the, I mean, obviously the two solo shots, those suck. But yeah. uh, he did I, enough to put this team in position to win. That's exactly what I was just about to say. He put them in yeah. a winnable position. And mm-hmm. if, if their bats would have been even just half alive uh maybe maybe the game's a little bit more di- maybe a little bit different maybe you know sorts out different maybe they still lose but maybe it's you know four to three or three to two or you know whatever you this it changes the entire complexion of how the bullpen is deployed and uh, as we saw the guardians with with uh everyone who's alive strategy in this game <laughs> <laughs> pretty much uh i think they emptied the bullpen basically so yeah, because we saw Trevor Steffen, Anthony Ghost, Brian Shaw, Anthony Castro, Sam Hentges, Connor Pilkington in this game. Yeah, all of them. Uh, and none of them for more than two-thirds of an inning until Pilkington came in and uh, finished it out in the ninth. Mm-hmm. Uh, so very short outings from, from each of those guys. Um, but, you know, they didn't do all that bad. You know, Castro gave up the, the hit and the two runs. But outside of that, um, those guys looked all right. Um pretty effective it, it seems to be just a, a large uh bullpen committee approach get guys some action you know get make sure their bodies are still warm not just sitting idle for too long because that that's what really sucks for for bullpen guys is if you, your team doesn't need you for a couple days i mean mm-hmm. you, you look at brian shaw he pretty much gets called upon uh whenever a bullpen arm is needed period uh, right <laughs> Because uh, he's looking to, I guess, go for another 80 games this year. Uh, no, I wouldn't be surprised. He's one of those guys. It seems like he's always out there. He, he's always out there. He's mostly effective. I mean, he had that little stint in Colorado and Seattle, which didn't end up very well. But he just comes back to Cleveland, and it's like, oh, Brian Shaw with a three-something ERA and 80 appearances, and wasn't uh, pitching batting practice. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be a good fit going forward. Um, I've always liked him. Um, yeah, like you said, he, he kind of sputtered a little bit out west, but um, it's good to see him back here. And uh, I think we're going to get a lot out of him this year. But um, the one thing you mentioned is, you know, the arms in the bullpen when you're not being used for a couple of days, it, you know, you can things can get tightened up and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And it, especially with the weather, the way that it's been in Cleveland, um, you know, it hasn't been particularly warm. Uh, so you want to keep these guys from just sitting out there in the cold and, and, you know, things locking up on them. So, uh, it made sense this approach. Um, but like I said, it, this was a more of an offensive failure than anything. Um, I think pitching on the day was, was good enough to put the team in position and win all around beyond police act. So, yeah, they only managed three hits in the game. They walked twice. Uh, the walks were to Straw and Jose Ramirez, but like mm-hmm. it, when you're only getting three hits in a game, you're gonna lose, and that's just that's that's the head of you know end of the story right there. Yeah, and you know there was the uncharacteristic error from uh, Ramirez in the second inning uh, mm-hmm. that led to the first run of the game. Um, so defense, you know, there's been some issues early on in the year. Um, certainly not used to seeing uh, Jose Ramirez make an errant throw like that, um, but I, I think everybody's kind of suffering from this. Uh, short preseason if you will yeah the the shortened spring training the way it got rushed and ramped up and 
And like you said, the weather probably didn't help either. You know what I mean? Right. Got, got an extra layer on underneath you. It kind of messes up with your throwing motion, kind of messes up with your follow through. It's just sometimes it's just the little things like that that people don't think about. No, and for some guys, those little things are very, very important. Um, I, a lot of that can be mental, um, but, you know, there are guys that, like, man, if they can't wear what they're used to wearing uh, on game day, if they've got to throw something on they're not used to having on their arms, uh, that can get in the guy's head, and you can see Aaron throws and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think the weather probably had a little bit to do with this. I don't expect to see a Jose, you know, a lot of games where Jose Ramirez has an error that leads to, a, you know, the first run of the game. I mean, the way I look at it, it's probably, like, the only error Jose has all year. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, if anything, it kind of takes a little pressure off of him. You know what I mean? Just to get that first error out of the way. Um, you know, he bounced back nicely. There are no issues defensively from him throughout the rest of the series. So, mm-hmm. so uh, let's let's move on to the next one. Uh, sure. Another loss where they gave up four runs. They scored two runs this time, though, so uh, hey. pro- progress. Hey. Yeah, progress. A few more hits this game. Uh, also got eight hits, but could not get uh, across the plate in this game. That was our issue. A lot of guys left on base. A lot of guys left on base. Uh, we did. Uh, they did walk five Giants batters. When you walk five guys and when they only have five hits, it's usually not a good combo. But, uh, no. Uh, I th- again, I thought Cal Quantrill was all right. Um, I- Again, he, he did what you want a starter to go in and do. He, he put the team in a position to win the game. You know, it, it, was it lights out? No. You know, it, was he stellar? No. But, you know, only the two earned runs. He did have the three walks, but, you know, just the two hits and four and two-thirds innings of work, uh, I thought he looked uh, okay for early, an early outing for him. I mean, I thought he, I thought he looked all right. Uh, you, you look... And when he exited the game in the f- top of the fifth inning, uh, he got... Uh, That's when things started to fall apart for him, yeah. Yeah, he, you know, Tyro Estrada reaches with one out, then Stephen Duggar doubles, strikes out Joey Bart to get the second out of the inning, then he walks Mike Yastrzemski, and for some reason, I'm, this confused me at the time, and it still confuses me now, they turned to Logan Allen with the bases loaded, who yeah, gives up a, a two-RBI single. Yeah, uh, that was an interesting call. Uh, uh, Twitter was uh, ablaze when that particularly move um, was made, and uh, it didn't work out particularly well for them. But, yeah, it was kind of a questionable decision to throw him in there with the bases loaded. Yeah, not the guy I would have gone to. Um, no. Pr- probably uh, a, a not very popular opinion of who I would have gone to here because he pitched the day before, but this was a t- stereotypical, prototypical Brian Shaw moment. Yeah, Brian just get, Shaw didn't get, even he didn't even play a whole inning, so you know, put him back in there. Yeah, I agree. Get get the get the one out, get out of the inning, turn it over to, to if you really want to use Logan Allen that bad, they use him in the next inning. You know what I mean? Yeah, a hundred percent. You don't want to bring him in in that kind of high pressure situation. Um, yeah, I, that one was a head scratcher for me. So that was pretty much uh, you know a big problem there early on. They they did tie the game later thanks to Miles Straw in the bottom half of that inning, but uh, complete complete uh, collapse down in the eighth inning there, and with two runs coming across the score, uh, which also uh, was the difference in the game. Uh, yeah, that did end up being the difference in the game. The bats uh, did not show up. The the one run that they got in the fifth inning was the last run they scraped out scraped away this game 
Um, and then, you know, a lot of issues at the bottom of the order. You know, you look down there, you see a lot of zero hits, zero hits, zero hits. And then uh, the guys who were pinch hitting in these situations, uh, Clement and Mercado both pinch hit this game. Mm-hmm. Um, and neither one of them had any success. So, yeah, the, the bottom of the order really struggled. Um, you know, Straw, he had an okay game. He had the two hits. Uh, Ramirez had the two hits, but, you know, we need more from the other guys on this roster, and we did not get it this game. Yeah, the the ultimate just killer to an offense is when you have multiple guys in a row with an offer on, on their their final yep. line on the day. And you, you look, uh, Jimenez, Clement, Lavastida, Mercado, mm-hmm. uh, they combined to go 0 for 8. Yeah. Uh, Reyes and Rosario up in the, the 4 and 5th spot combined to go 0 for 8. Reyes striked out, uh, struck out three times. Yeah, uh, Naylor and Miller had good games. Yeah, they did. You know, the two for two for uh, Owen Miller with two walks, and uh, Josh Naylor with his first hits of the year going two for three with a walk. Yeah, it was great to see him get on base. Um, great to see him run and look natural. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, that that injury last season was just so scary. I just never, I didn't know what version of Josh Naylor we were going to get in his return, um, and and he appears to be playing you know at, at full speed, which is good to see. Yeah, he, he looks like, you know, yep, that's Josh Naylor. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, the the first game he, he participated in didn't go very well, but the second game was uh, he went two for three. So that's that's good to see. They had him out in, in, in right field. They had Owen Miller at first mm-hmm. in this game. Uh, they did switch that up uh, in the first game and the third game. They did not uh, have uh, Miller at first, but in this one they did. Um yeah, issues at first game or first base later on in the series. We'll get to that later. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, Miller, Miller, much more comfortable at first base. We did not encounter any of those issues in this particular uh, game defensively. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it looks like the you look at the final bullpen usage here. Uh, the Giants used uh, the Guardian strategy from the game the game before. Yes, they did. They emptied the bullpen. They had pretty much everybody out there at some point in the game. Yeah, the uh, the only guy that uh, pitched in two games there was Tyler Rogers, but uh, Alvarez, Brabia, Garcia, Leon, and McGee all also pitched in addition to Anthony Desclafani, who allowed five hits, uh, two came across the score, struck out four, and the same amount of uh, <clears throat> uh, innings pitched as Quantrill, four point two. Yeah, uh, the bullpen for the Giants was stellar in this game. Um, the, uh, all the Guardians' damage was done against Di Sclafani. Um, the bullpen had a really, really nice outing. Um, they, they were lights out. Uh, Guardians' bats were totally asleep uh, for the last half of this game. Um, but, yeah, their, their bullpen looked really, really good in this game, the Giants. Yeah, the, the Giants definitely have pitching. And, you know, you, yes. you, you look at that division that they're in, uh, having mm-hmm. pitching is a must. Uh, absolutely essential in that division. Uh, and not only that, but like when you have an older team, you know, in the lineup, uh, offensively a veteran team, you you want to have a very reliable bullpen. You know what I mean? Like, because a veteran team is, you think of them being like the scrappy teams. You know what I mean? Like the yeah. teams that win 90 to 95 games, and you're like, ah, oh, you know, they really scrap that out. You know what I mean? That that's what I feel like this team can be if they can get reliable pitching from their bullpen like that throughout the year. Uh, I think their veteran lineup is good enough, you know, just good enough to uh, to score enough runs for them to, you know, make a run at the postseason. I mean, yeah, it's it's a good team, and you know, with as you mentioned, having with uh, with veterans uh, and how much guys they have on their roster, the the important 
thing to have with that is pitching because guys tend to get hurt when they're older. So if yep. you can have a, a consistent source of pitching, it, it uh, places a lot less pressure on the guys that have to step in to yeah. perform. I mean, let's let's look. They're starting Wilmer Flores at, at third base. Wilmer Flores is, I'll be nice, his best days are behind him. <laughs> uh, yeah, you could say that. His best days are certainly behind him. But, you know, a lot of these guys, I mean, they're just, they, they took a flyer on, you know, Jock Peterson. Okay. Yep. Uh, uh, Tyro Estrada's fine. Steven Douglas mm-hmm. fine. You know they're they're going through uh, <clears throat> the young beginning of a career with Joey Bart. Uh, mm-hmm. You know Brandon Belt's Brandon Belt's good. I'll say Brandon Belt's good. I, I wasn't a Belt fan for the longest time, but he's good. But like Ruff, he stinks. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no good. And then, you know, the guys, the younger guys like uh, what Austin Slater, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know if he's ready yet. You know what I mean? So, like, those guys that are younger, um, you know, they they might not be ready uh, at, at this point yet. But, yeah, they, they took some flyers on some older guys whose best days are behind them. Um, and so they're, they're going to have to – they're going to have to be stable in the bullpen, and they're, they're going to have to, you know, really grind out hits and, and try to produce runs any way that they can. And it seems like that they're doing a, a pretty decent job now because let's, they're probably settling into that. Uh, this is what their average game score is going to be. You know, it's four to two, four to one. You know, hey, I, I mean, that's they, what it feels like. You know, that's what the you know a good team's average differential is probably going to be around there. You know, one to two runs, something in there, maybe a little bit less than a run if it's a little yeah. bit uh, <clears throat> close over the course of a season, but. You know, four to one, four to two. That's just like solid win for, yeah, for the Giants. Absolutely, a- absolutely. And anytime you keep the opposing team under four runs, um, you know you had a good day on the mound um, and defensively. So yeah, if, if they can get if they can get four or five runs a game, I think that their pitching is good enough to to win a lot of ball games that way. And, and it is um, one thing I wanted to bring up about this particular game here. This was the second consecutive. Uh, poor outing for Nick Sandlin. Any concern for you? Uh, yeah, a little bit, but it's also early and it's also a little bit to be expected with the short off season. You know, mm-hmm. we, we kind of knew that we were going to see some guys have, you know, have issues early on. Um, so, you know, I still kind of want to, I want to give him more time. You know what I mean? This is in a typical year, maybe you would say, okay, yeah, that's two really bad outings in a row. Uh, you know, but I, I think this year I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt, and I'm not waving the red flag on this one yet. I'm not waving the, the, the red flag on him either, but just some very interesting trends. Uh, from his first appearance to his fourth appearance, he's seen more batters, three, four, five, six, which is kind mm-hmm. of fun. Uh, <laughs> uh, his pitches have increased, 10, 14, 21, 27. Uh, the, the innings... He pitched almost two innings in, in Kansas City in that 10-7 to win. But uh, the win over Cincinnati and the loss to San Francisco, mm-hmm. uh, he's allowed uh, two runs in both of those games. One of them was a uh, a home run in the, the win over Cincinnati. But That's right. It It is just something to, to keep an eye on. Just be like, I'm going to monitor this. I'm not going to panic. I'm not going to get concerned yet. But something to monitor moving forward. Because it seems like maybe... He's a guy that you can't have him throw a whole inning, maybe, even though he did in Kansas City. But like more often than not, maybe have him do two thirds of an inning. Like come in 
after an outs already recorded or come in for a pitching matchup or because 10 14 He's... pitches he was fine 21 27 not so much uh, that's a really good point, you know, and he might be better suited as just kind of a matchup guy, you know, like bring him in against certain, you know, certain hitters. Um, but yeah, you know, he got less and less effective each game so far this season. So that's the one thing that's definitely worrying. Um, it, it's, you know, you would hope that that was going the other direction, that he would be getting more and more effective. Um, but yeah, he, he's definitely struggling right now. Um, he's not in a good place particularly. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how, uh, how Tito uses him going forward. Mm-hmm. But I, I like what you're saying, you know, for now with, with him struggling like this, you know, don't, don't bring him in for more than, you know, hopefully not more than 10 to 15 pitches. Yeah. Have, have him come in to, to wrap up an inning. Yeah. Don't, yeah. Have, him, don't have him, maybe you don't have him start there. Maybe have him come in to finish the final two or one outs of an inning. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, you know, maybe have him uh, pitch where they had Logan Allen pitch instead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He could have used him in that situation, too. Um, you know, come in to relieve the starter and finish out the inning and then, you know, move on. But uh, that's pretty much it for this game. Do you have any uh, other thoughts before we go into and dive into the third game of this series? Uh, again, I want to say like pitching was okay. You know, they only gave up the five hits, um, but walks, you know, were definitely a big issue in this game. Um, but yeah, you know, the pitching did well enough for the guardians to be in position to win again. So I will say that two losses in a row. Um, I still think pitching was good enough to get W's. And it was, and you're right. It was, it definitely was. It was definitely a position to win. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's that's pretty much all you can ask for uh, out of the pitching staff. See, it's up to the offense to do their job, and they, they really did not perform up to an acceptable level throughout this entire series. Uh, no, that's for sure. And <laughs> that's a good way to segue right into this last game because this last game wasn't particularly productive offensively either. Mm, holy shit, this game sucked. Um, yeah, me... <laughs> this was not fun to watch. <laughs> let, me just, let me just start it off with that. Uh Giving up a two-run homer to Tyro Estrada in the top of the second was a big-time just... Oof moment. Oof moment, yeah. And then, I I mean, Estrada was like a a complete nightmare for the Guardians, apparently, because he knocked in their first five runs. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's wild. I didn't realize that he did. He did drive in their first five runs. Four. First four runs. First five, actually. Oh, is it five? Oh. Yeah. My stat sheet has them at four RBIs. Oh, um, I think uh, it might be four RBIs, but the first five runs came to score when he was at the plate. Um, oh, okay, I got you. It was the you. error, the fielder's choice error. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. Uh, you want to talk about that for a second? Uh, since we just brought it up, the the error that's been charged to Owen Miller when that was a very scoopable ball by Bobby Bradley that he completely botched. Yeah, Bradley looked. Ter- I mean, he had one of the worst all around games a big leaguer could possibly have in this game. I know that he did get the one hit, but like that aside, he had a disastrous day in the field and a disastrous day at the plate. He K'd twice. Um, he, he does not look comfortable over at first base at all. But yeah, I was, I, I was very upset that Owen Miller was charged with the error there. It was a very scoopable ball. It seemed like it just went right under his glove. He just missed it, you know, and, and I, I played a little first base, you know, as a catcher every once in a while, they'll stick you over there at first base. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that they teach you over there is you start low with the glove and you, you go high. You, you want your glove to be low to the ground. That way, if the ball does kick up, you rise your glove with the ball. 
Um, and, and he had it, his glove high and the ball went underneath of it. So if he's, you know, playing first base the way that you're taught to play first base, I think he makes that play, if that makes sense. It's, it's a little bit deeper defensive stuff there, but it's pretty basic, though, when you look at it. I mean, yeah, the, the, it, goes, uh, it goes like that for all across the infield. You never want to let the ball go underneath you. Right, right. You always are starting low and finishing high in the infield. They, they teach you at any position, keep that glove on the ground as long as you can to the last possible moment. Yeah, they, they always taught always taught me and always ta- teach everyone keep your glove in the dirt so the ball doesn't go underneath you. Yeah, and then the other thing they teach, you know, the guys turning the double play is if you're gonna miss, miss low. Mm-hmm. Uh, you miss low. It's the big leagues. You've got guys at first base that are supposed to be able to make that play. Uh, so it, for him to be charged an error, like the throw was a barely a miss. Um, and and he missed right where you would want him to miss. He missed low, you know, where he had a chance to scoop it and make the play. So, uh, yeah, that was really questionable um, scorekeeping there. I, I don't understand that at all. I, I don't either. And it's just, it was very frustrating, very frustrating game to watch from start to finish uh, on both sides, from defensively and from, and, and yeah. from late. I agree. The other the other games, it was more of a, a just kind of like an offensive you know, lack of production, but the, this game, it was bad all around. Every, everything about this game stunk. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, I, I can't say the same about the pitching. It, they did not put us in a position to win this game. Um, no, they did not. Aaron Savali allowed three runs, four came across the score, but three earned runs and in four innings, five strikeouts, but a walk and a home run also allowed to Estrada, as I mentioned previously. Yeah, and I mean the Giants pitching staff had to feel really comfortable when they got out to that two nothing lead mm-hmm. because they they saw what our offense did the two nights before. You know, it, like they knew two runs might be enough to win this thing, and it would have been. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and when you get an early lead like that, and your pitching staff can relax, like it, they look so comfortable all day long. Just a really good outing again for their pitching staff. And they really did. And uh, I, I mentioned this about runs coming late. Uh, Eli Morgan, Anthony Castro both allowed two runs on three hits apiece each. Not good at all. Yeah. Each each and one full winning of work, three hits, two earned runs. Yeah, just the one K between the two of them, uh, and the one walk. Just not. I, I have not been impressed with Castro at all. I mean, there's a reason we we got Castro for for Bradley Zimmer, and it, it's because. You know, we're Bradley's... starting to find out that <laughs> he's an arm. He, he's a guy that's he gives you depth in the bullpen, but that's about it. I mean, let, let's be real here. Like at this point, the game was it was it was six to nothing. Yeah. You know what I mean with with, with Castro in, and mm-hmm. so it's just like you got to get someone out there to to eat up an inning. And, yeah. And you don't want to use your you know your premier arms types guy. I mean, because you know Brian Shaw didn't pitch since the the opening uh, game in the series. Uh, Emmanuel Classe didn't pitch at all in this series. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you got to think from a, a perspective of we're about to go play a four-game series. Uh, now it's a three-game series. Today's game did get postponed. I just, just did just see that come across my Twitter feed a minute ago. Uh, I was hoping they were going to be able to squeeze it in. Uh, I was kind of hoping too on one hand, but the other hand I'm like, you know what? Uh, a team that just played a couple uh, games in the cold, playing one in the snow that's also going to be cold, maybe, maybe bang this one. But uh... Uh, yeah, I'm kind of with you there. When you when you put it like that, um, this is probably a good time for the Guardians to take a day off, stay warm, you know, rest up. Anybody that's banged up a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. get treatment today. 
Um, bullpen arms that haven't had much work, you know, they can get some simulated innings uh, indoors, which is really, really awesome. Um, I, I personally, I got to play in high school at Progressive Field. Uh, Vermillion played the Avon Eagles, and uh, we got to be in their indoor facilities, and like they're they're so nice, like the the underground facilities mm-hmm. under the stadium. Um, so yeah, this is a good day for those guys to stay warm and en- enjoy the facilities and and use the awesome tech that they have. They have some really sweet tech back there too. Um, so yeah, yeah it's, let's look at this as a net positive today that they're not playing the game because they're on a, a really bad streak right now offensively. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's a good time to get a little bit of a break. I agree. Mm-hmm. So yeah, before we, uh, we jump too far ahead, I just wanted to mention uh, that today's game was postponed. Uh, but looking at this particular game, it was just, it was just gross to watch. I just sat there like, I mean, sure, I had a couple angry tweets during the game. Uh, I didn't go full. <laughs> I didn't go full Frank the Tank, but at the same oh, time, um, watching this, it was just like, this sucks. Like, yep. Like, it, it, I really very. Uh, I compare it very similarly to how I felt watching a lot of the Browns games last season. Just kind of sitting there, like, this is happening, and this this kind of sucks. It, it does kind of suck. Um it's the reality we have a very very young team um and we have a lot of weak spots on this roster um especially from an offensive standpoint so uh yeah it was hard to watch because it was kind of like a back to reality moment for us you know like we we had the four game winning streak when you know things were looking really good and they had the plus 11 run differential and you know they had 58 hits in a series it's just like those things were really really positive and Mm -hmm. had me feeling optimistic and this game just felt like okay the Giants are a better team than the Guardians we're gonna see a lot of games like that this year yeah I think we'll see a a good handful of games like that and and again like the the trio of Rodon, Desclafani, and Wood that's like the three like worst pitchers for this team to see at at this moment in time you know what I mean because 100% you know they've all kept this lineup in check before the nobody really did anything uh, of of merit against these guys uh, in their careers. Uh, yep. I, I think Jose Ramirez had a decent line against Rodon, but like most of that came a couple years ago. But you you look at this and it's just like there couldn't have been like one guy that they just like completely destroy on a regular basis that <laughs> that they could have faced. You know what I mean? Yeah, they matched up perfectly uh, from a pitching standpoint. Uh, yeah, the, those three guys, nobody that has seen those guys had hit them very well outside of Jose. But, I mean, Jose, he's the best third baseman in the league. He's an MVP candidate year in and year out. That's to be expected. You know, none of the other guys in the order have done anything against those guys. And, uh, and like I said, the, the ones that haven't seen those guys are, you know, they're rookies. They're people that are, you know, still growing and learning the game. And mm-hmm. you can't expect those guys to be the ones that produce for you. Yeah, uh, and th- that's what we saw. And, you know, I will say I'm not one to, to really – sit and harp on uh, balls and strikes and umpires, but good Lord, it was terrible throughout this entire series. Um, I agree. It was just very inconsistent, too. You know, it, that, and that's the one thing as an umpire you, you can't be as inconsistent. You know? it, it, it really seemed like the Giants were getting every Greg Maddox call in the World Series in 95, and, you know, uh, any one of the Guardians pitchers could throw it right down the plate, right down the center, and mm. ball. 
Yeah, uh, I agree. It, it did feel like it was kind of slanted in one direction. Um, but, you know, let me ask you this. How much of that do you think has to do with the fact that Austin Hedges is off to a terrible start? Um, he did finally get a hit. So, you know, we we all had the sarcastic tweets that Austin Hedges got a hit. And, uh, I made the tweet, you know, for the brand, you know, catchers who rake. <laughs> um, but, you know, do you think that that has something to do with it? Because I think that he is been struggling so bad that he's gotten lazy behind the plate with his framing uh he has not looked good uh overall uh let me just yeah. put it that way uh not even to mention the, the stolen bases you uh, know. nobody is afraid to run on austin hedges uh, right and the only reason you can justify having hedges in the lineup is for pitch framing and gunning down runners and he's not doing, not doing either. either of them and, and yeah, so he's... like what are we doing and it, it really makes me wonder uh, you know, how much longer they're going to keep going with Austin Hedges uh, as they're... Uh... At some point, you can't justify, as a as a big league manager, putting him in your lineup. Like, you, you, after so many press conferences and so many, you know, quotes to newspaper, you know, to journalists and stuff, it's like, at some point, you just have to say, this guy's not good enough. Like, I'm not putting this guy in the game. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what the breaking point is with him, because... Uh, he's got the one hit in over 20 at-bats, and he's not thrown out a single runner yet, to my knowledge. Um, and he hasn't looked good framing either. So, yeah, like he's not doing any of the things we need him to do well well, um, and the hitting is just non-existent. So. I mean, and that's a problem. I think at some point they just need to play Brian Lavastida more. I, I, know yeah. that, I know that he isn't necessarily hitting well either, and I, I'm sure his defensive work needs some improvement and just work to begin with but give him a chance if Austin Hedges is going to be a complete black hole in the lineup at least give a young guy who has upside that you're you're really looking forward to has shown a track record of hitting in the minors give him uh the shot to 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 do the job because at some point uh, Luke Miley is going to be coming back and uh, like between Miley and Hedges like you might as well just eliminate the DH for this team Exactly. And in a year where finally the DH was, you know, added to the National League and you no longer have that pitcher in the nine spot, the black hole at the bottom of the lineup. Well, the Guardians in the American League, who never had to have a pitcher in the lineup, still have a black hole in the nine spot. And it is in Austin Hedges. And yeah, you're right. At some point, you've got to put Lavastida in there and let him play um, because Hedges isn't showing you anything. Um, and like you said, Maley's coming back. Um, he's obviously going to be He's got to be the guy over Hedges. He has to be. Uh, um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how he fits in with this team. I mean, it's really going to be a race to see who can have a two-hit game first to see who commands the uh, the catching duties for the rest of the season. And uh, I don't know who will. <laughs> it, it's it's going to be one at the plate. You know, it's, it's going to be one with their bat. So if one of those guys gets hot at the plate, um, they're probably going to start leaning heavily on them. I mean, cause that's, that's mostly what a lot of these lineup decisions were done with uh, to begin with, is that you know some of the guys struggled out of the gate, then they, they changed up the lineup, and all of a sudden they just started all hitting at the same time. That's why we had, exactly. you know, we've seen Owen Miller play pretty much every game. We've seen uh, Mercado play a decent amount of time. We, you know, uh, Jimenez and Clement have both played uh, in, in part-time roles, but they both played. Yeah. Then, you know, I mean, Yu Chang's hurt right now, but they pretty much benched him after the second game. Bobby Bradley has essentially been benched despite, you know, 
uh, his one for four outing and uh, just talking about Bobby Bradley makes me just annoyed, honestly. Because like, why the fuck is he even still here? Yeah, I, I think this was uh, give Stephen Kwan a break. You know, he was struggling at the plate. Let him have a day off to kind of recoup, um, and that's why he was put into this game. But yeah, it's like he's another guy. It's very very hard to justify trotting him out there in a big league roster <laughs> like they're just not big league players players like bobby bradley and austin hedges are not big leaguers they're not uh, would you believe me if i told you that bobby bradley has a worse career slash line than matt laporta no he does yes uh i mean i yeah i'll believe anything when it comes to bobby bradley's stinking <laughs> but that's that's next level stuff right there and that's a name i haven't heard for a while either uh, I, I mean, he, he's. Uh, I think he's slightly better than Jake Bowers. Let me let me mm-hmm. let me pull it up here, because I, I was looking at it this morning. Yeah, that's not good. But I, I remember it being worse than Matt Laporta, for sure. Jeez. Slash line. Okay, so and granted, Bradley's had 336 plate appearances, 93 games, but career slash line 201, 283, 423. Uh, Laporta did have much larger sample size. 291 games, 1,068 plate appearances. But uh, Matt Laporta, 238, 301, 393. Wow. That's incredible. Uh, and uh, Jake Bowers was... <laughs> Jake Bowers' career slash line is better than Bobby Bradley. That's so bad. 213, 307, 348. Uh, 328 I, 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 games, 1,100 plate appearances. But... Not good. Not good at all. I I mean, where the people, you know, run in to go run Bobby Bradley out of town like they were Jake Bowers and Matt Laporta before? Uh, I don't know. I don't understand what the infatuation is with Bobby Bradley in particular. But they, they he seems to be a guy that has been given the benefit of the doubt across the board, you know, from, from management, from the media, from everybody. You know what I mean? It's like nobody's demanding – Bobby Bradley be removed from the roster, you know, beyond the guys who really pay attention, you know, like us. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think Bobby Bradley is probably one of those guys that you refer to as a quad A player. He's going to destroy triple yeah. A pitching, but he's going to mm-hmm. suck against uh, major league pitching. And I think that's what he ultimately is. Just like that's what Matt Laporta was, and that's what Jake Bowers is. Big league pitching is just next level. Like, especially now with the, you know all the analytics and everything else that goes into it, the science behind it, spin rate and all that. Um, like pitching is as good as it's ever been. So, yeah. So let's get into uh, a little bit of a fun fact uh, that came up during the game. Ooh, uh, fun fact. The Giants have had a different starting left fielder every single season since Barry Bonds retired. <laughs> That's insane. That is insane. Are, are you ready for this list? Let's go through it. Yeah, I've got it pulled up too, but go ahead. Okay, so since Bonds' last opening day start in 07, they've had Dave Roberts. Yes, the Dave Roberts that is currently that is... the manager of the Dodgers. Oh, God. Let's see. Uh, this list just has Lewis in 2009. What is this Fred, first? Fred, Fred Lewis, Lewis, thank you. It just had yeah. Lewis. I'm like, well, who the hell is Lewis? Like, is he, is he <laughs> Cher? <laughs> Yeah, there are so many Lewises that have been in the league. Yeah, that's Fred Lewis. It's just, okay, Fred Lewis, thank you. Uh, Mark DeRosa in 2010, Pat mm-hmm. Burrell in 2011, Aubrey Huff, 
Ugh, in 2012, oh god, he's one of the worst Twitter personalities. Uh, yeah, he's awful. Uh, Andres Torres in 2013, Michael Morse in 2014, Nori Aoki in 2015, and Hel Pagan in 2016. Uh, this just says Parker in 2017 was his Jared first. Parker. Uh, what is this list? This is from the the Mercury News. <laughs> it, 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 you know, and it's just completely like cutting out names here uh thank you <laughs> hunter don't pence don't in 2018 don't. connor joe in 2019 and uh alex dickerson in 2020 uh 2021 was uh let's austin see here. Slater? it was austin slater and this year it was jock peterson yep so they uh currently hold the longest streak for um any positional uh, any position in the major leagues for for that many consecutive years in a row with a different player. Uh, going into this year, the Padres also had a similar streak. Uh, ironically enough, it was also at left field, but that came to an end this season. Um, so yeah, they are now on an island on their own um, with that particular issue. Uh, so it's it's yeah, since Barry Bonds, they've had a lot of question marks out there in left field. Yeah, I, I can't wait until uh, next year when they have a new left fielder. So it continues. Does this not feel like the Browns quarterback? <laughs> it really does. It, it feels <laughs> like exactly the same thing. Uh, can we get a, a, a Giants left fielder shirt? Yes, uh, exactly. With all the names underneath it, just like the uh, the Browns QB shirt. I, I'm going to have to buy just a cheap San Francisco Giants shirt and just and, and start that. It's worth it. It's so uh, worth honestly. It. Just because it would just be so funny. Because one... Nobody know unless you really love baseball. Nobody would know what the hell you're talking about <laughs> at and, all. And two, it would just be so ridiculous. Just be like, it would be. It'd be like okay, and would probably be the general response for most people. <laughs> <laughs> do you think? Um, do you think moving forward, it's gonna be Austin Slater? I mean, it could be. Because um, my understanding is that it was just a matchup thing. That's that's why he didn't start the season in left field this year. I mean, it, it could be, uh, you know, you, you look at Austin Slater, he's, he played well last year, but that was really his first real large uh, sample size. He played 129 games uh, in the years before that. It was 31, 68, 74, and 34. So mm. it's not like he played a whole lot, but he did play moderately well in, yeah. in, in 2021, 241, 324, 23 slash line, 12 homers, 12 doubles. So it's not bad. It's. Probably no, around league average, I'm assuming. You know, because I don't even know what league average is anymore because it's, it's changed so much in the past, you know, five years, much less decade. It really has, yeah. Uh, you know, what's acceptable uh, in that. But, you know, Slater looks like a guy that they just kind of move around in, in the outfield. He's played all three outfield spots this year. He, mm-hmm. he has played second base in 2019 for a game. Uh, he played eight games at first in 2019. Yeah. You know, kind of utility outfielder, just they, they move them around based off of availability and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm looking at his baseball reference page. His positions are listed as such. Outfielder, pitch hitter, and first baseman. Okay. It's it's yeah. not even left fielder, it's outfielder. Then yeah. Not yeah. first baseman is next, it's, it's pinch hitter. <laughs> yeah, so there's zero commitment to a, a left fielder yet from them. I just I just can't wait until next year until they have some other guy that uh, is is their <laughs> opening day starter in left field. Uh yeah, yeah, that doesn't feel like a streak that's coming to an end anytime soon. <clears throat> yeah, I mean they've had such a, a, a long list of uh, 
uh, premier names. Like, why, why don't they go sign uh, Brett Gardner and have him be the ref next year? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, so let's talk. How about, how about some Japanese baseball? Yes, we gotta cover this story. This is absolutely incredible. So, uh, it's uh, Roki Sasaki. He twenty-year-old Japanese pitching sensation tied a Nippon professional baseball record with 19 strikeouts. He struck out 13 in a row, but that's not even the highlight here. He threw eight more perfect innings. He's thrown (laughs) 17 consecutive perfect innings and has retired 52 consecutive batters. Absolutely bananas. Absolutely insane. I mean, that's just, it doesn't matter what league you're participating in. Those are just absolutely unreal video game-like numbers. I mean, what an incredible streak. Um, But, yeah, I mean, kid's only 20 years old. uh, He's got a 1.16 ERA, (laughs) 56 strikeouts, and has only allowed seven hits and two walks and 31 innings pitched. Um, And then, yeah, like you mentioned, he's been perfect two outings in a row. Uh, He had the perfect game. Uh, and then eight perfect innings before uh, being removed due to, uh, I believe he was on a pitch count. Um, that That's what I, my understanding is why they took him out. I mean, and that, that makes sense, uh, considering he did throw a perfect game the day before. But, man, let him finish the perfect game. <laughs> I know, we just saw this. How many times are we going to see this? Uh, twice in one year. There have only been, I mean, and if... You know, it should make clear to listeners, too, that don't follow Japanese baseball at all. Not that we follow it religiously by any means, but mm-hmm. it, but the perfect game is just as rare in the Japanese game as it is here. Um, and in here, we've only had 24 perfect games ever in the entire history of the game. Um, so the, these, these guys that are going into the seventh and eighth inning with perfect games are approaching what is one of the most statistically rare athletic accomplishments that any human being can have on this planet and mm-hmm. they're being taken and they're being taken out yeah uh, quick side note do you remember when uh, mark burley threw a perfect game in 2009 i do that was that the last perfect game that we've had i think it was no we've had we've had one since then i'll, I'll pull up the list have in a we? second but uh okay. but burley could, uh proceeded to throw five and two-thirds perfect innings in the next game jeez <laughs> I didn't realize that. He was taken out of that game after being perfect in five well, and two thirds. Uh, well, he, he allowed a walk, then he allowed a single, then a ground rule double where, you know, the, the Twins ended up scoring against him. But, okay, uh, okay. you know, but five and two thirds innings of perfect baseball before, you know, before losing uh, a perfect game. I remember because I watched the last couple innings of the Burley perfect game, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm like, ah, Burley's pitching again today. I, you know, I was kind of tracking it on my phone. Then I'm like, uh, <laughs> is he going to do it again? <laughs> it's insane. Yeah, it's absolutely insane. But um, it, it's something that we're going to see more and more often, you know, when guys are perfect through five, six, seven innings. Um, it, it's just yeah, – the we, we heard a lot about this last night from Jeff Pass, and um, <clears throat> we were going to talk a little bit about that game at some point. Um, but, yeah, you know, with the uh, analytics and everything um, – sorry, kind of losing my train of thought, but it picked me up here – uh, what, what was Jeff saying last night uh, about the uh, – gosh, 
Not that totally. Uh, he, he was kind of like he was kind of like digging in on uh, analytics a little bit because uh, you know a lot of times people that uh, talk about it don't understand it. But uh, a lot oh, of times, I remember. I'm sorry, I, I remember he was talking about uh, guys getting hurt. Yes. How much? How much do we know about uh, you know what causes pitchers to get injured? Mm-hmm. And and he made it clear that like we don't know much. Like, we, we don't really have a great scientific understanding of what it is about pitching that breaks guys down. We don't know if it's the total pitches. We don't know if it's how hard it is put into, you know, how much effort are you putting into every throw. Uh, we don't know if it's, you know, how much time are you giving yourself between starts. Mm-hmm. We don't really know what leads to guys getting hurt. So when, when you're taking guys out in these moments where they're on the verge of doing something, like, historical – it, we don't really know if that's going to pay off in the long run or not. Like, is mm-hmm. it going to guarantee that that Sasuke has, you know, doesn't get hurt this year because they were, you know, cautious with him and took him out? Maybe not. He might get hurt his next time out there, you know. So that's that's what the point I was trying to make before I had a total brain fart um, is that, like, you, you know, you got to at some point, you got to just let these things play out. And, and you're right. But uh, looking at the last perfect game, it was in 2012. Felix Hernandez. This was during that uh, during that run where we had perfect games from people like really. Yeah. Uh, you know, going back to the the Burley perfect game in 2009, which was the first one in five years. Uh, f- the next one was uh, Dallas Braden, mm. uh, another unlikely perfect game uh, candidate because he's not a strikeout guy. He only struck out six guys, just like Burley did. Right, but then uh, Roy Holiday had his perfect game. That was an amazing game when he's with the Phillies. Uh, one to nine. That one made sense. That one made perfect sense. Oh, you know, eleven strikeouts. But uh, Philip Humper, also with the White Sox, nine strikeouts. Remember him? Oh uh, gosh. Early on, I remember what happened. Uh, early on in the season, everybody picked up Philip Humper as what everyone does who pitches a random ass perfect game. Then yep. everyone renamed their fantasy baseball team the Humber Games because that was the you know, the <laughs> Hunger Games came out at that time, and then Philip Humper just kind of disappeared. Um, uh, yeah, that, that's, it's quite the list, you know, cause when you think of how hard it is to accomplish something like that, to have some, some names that, that pop up are just like, really head scratcher. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt Kane. That's about when he was about the peak of his powers with the giants in 2012, mm. 14 strikeouts and Felix Hernandez, the last one, 12 strikeouts. Uh, I did pull up the list of perfect games in the Nippon league. Mm-hmm. Uh, Roki Sasaki with the most recent one uh, about a week ago. Before that, it was 2007. Yeah, long time. Then 94, then 1978. So they're a lot more rare there than they are here. It, it, Jeez. It, it seems like uh, they're just not very uh, all that common there as yeah. well. Uh, looking Because there's 23 in Major League Baseball. There is well, we have to 17. Well, we that. We have to remember too that Major League Baseball has played a, a incredibly higher amount of games total. You know they they've got more more teams, more games per season, all that jazz. So um, bigger sample size, but yeah, it, it, in terms of like year in year out, it's not happening more frequently than it is in MLB. It's happening less frequently. Yeah, definitely less frequently. The first one in Japan was in 1950. Conversely, the first one in uh, Major League Baseball was Cy Young when he was with Boston in 1904. Oh wow! So he he threw his perfect game forty six years before uh, the first one in Japan. Yeah, that's just crazy. The fact that he struck out thirteen consecutive batters is just insane. 
that's so hard to do. Um, and, and to do it at 20, you know, I mean, it's it's absolutely insane what he's doing. How long do you think before uh, they attract him over to the major leagues? Oh, I mean, it, it's going to be fast. It's gonna be it really can't. Fast. It, it yeah, can't be they're going to have to now, especially with how how big his name has blown up. But he's also got the velocity, which is something that, like, a lot of times with Japanese pitchers, you see they have a lot of pitches. They have a lot of movement on their pitches. Uh, their deliveries are, are not uh, conventional. Um, but this is more of a traditional major league guy. Like, he throws absolute smoke. Mm-hmm. And then he's he's got a fork ball that just absolutely drops off a table. Um, so he's doing it in a more traditional uh, major league style. So I th- think that it's not going to be long before we see him over here. And I think he's one of those guys that might adjust quite quickly. Uh, yeah, I do think he will uh, adjust very quickly uh, when he does, you know, eventually make his way over here. Because I, 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 it's not really if it's win at this point, yeah, in, in my it, opinion. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it sounds like it, out of high school he was even, uh, there was interest from Major League Baseball, but he had decided to stay, you know, stay home in Japan. Um, so, yeah, there's already been interest in this guy before this story broke. So, yeah, I, I can't see him going very long before they throw an absolutely outrageous contract at him. Yeah, someone someone will get him. And, uh, you know, maybe uh, maybe Shohei Otani can convince him to go to the Angels. Um, yeah, and I want to point out real quick, the, the Nippon League has awesome team names. And Cleveland really missed a great opportunity uh, in copying one of their great names, the Ham Fighters. Would you have not... <laughs> Would you have not have loved to have been the Cleveland Ham Fighters? I don't even know what that means. I mean, that would have been that would have been fun. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I have no clue what that means. The Ham Fighters, but sure, that's that's what their name is. And then I I love too that like we complain here about advertising and stuff. Like their teams aren't named after cities; they're named after corporations. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that would be like the the Cleveland Indians would have been the Ford. Uh, guardians, you know, and it's just like it's crazy. It's it's a totally different world. Uh, it's interesting though when you you compare the feat of a perfect game. That much is very much similar to uh, American baseball. Yeah, I'm looking at the uh, the names of these uh, of these teams: uh, the Dragons, the Tigers, the Carp, the Swallows, Bay mm-hmm. Stars, Giants, of course, uh, Marines, Hawks, Ham Fighters, uh, Buffaloes. Uh, Lions, Golden Eagles. Right. And then all of their team names are corporations. Uh, from, let's see, the Chibalat, I think that is Chibalate Marines. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Nippon Ham Fighters are Hokkaido. Um, the Oryx Buffaloes. <laughs> like, they're, they're all just, like, random, like, tech companies. So it's, it's really interesting. And then I believe Nippon is a Japanese beer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and... Uh... Looking at the uh, the defunct teams, the Pirates, the Robins, the Unions, two different Unions teams. Why would you resurrect that name? Yeah, of all names. Wait, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on. There are two Unions at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> How do you have two Unions in the same league at the same time? It's not even a good name to begin with. Uh, 54 to 56 and 46 to 57. Um, yeah, I- I'm okay with that name in America because of, like, Civil War and stuff. Like, okay, the Union, I get it. Like, the North, that's awesome. But, like, (laughs) that doesn't seem to make much sense in Japan. I I don't know that they've ever had a split of their Union. But, yeah, interesting names, to say the least. Let's see. 
Uh, do, 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 do. The team was name was chosen by a public vote. Okay. Yeah, the unions. I mean, I mean, there's other words, you know, other uses for the term union. I mean, it, it's not always just you know union confederacy. It can be union like the joining of something. So that that's true too. That's that's a very good point. So um, and, maybe... and it seems like they try to have their teams and their fans like be uber connected. Um, so could be something like that. Oh, so you Union mean, of the you mean they don't shut their their fans out of the league and keep them out of the yeah, loop and blackouts yeah. and uh, give you uh, DMCA strikes if you tweet out a home run clip? No, it almost sounds like they they don't have a commissioner who is the spawn of Satan. Oh, it's crazy, crazy, yeah. crazy. Uh, <clears throat> do you want to get to the Sunday night game, or you want to talk about uh, Mike Trout first? Uh, we could do Mike Trout first because I think. Good news, mostly, out of the situation. Am I am I mistaken? I heard that he's day-to-day and x-rays came back negative. Uh, yes, the x-rays didn't come back negative, but he did get hit uh, by an 81-mile-an-hour pitch on his left hand. Did uh, not look good. I, I thought this was a broken hand. Uh, so did I. I'm uh, like, when oh, I, fuck. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's something that, it, <laughs> especially with guys you know like Acuna and Tatis that are out and injured right now, like to see a guy like Trout go down, it's just like, ugh. Bad for the game. Um, and how about Fernando Tatis, who's on the injured list, playing soccer in the outfield before oh. the game and, and making an absolute buffoon of himself? Uh, he's just... He's having fun. Yeah, it's just... But decision-making like, process is just totally gone. Like, you gotta, you gotta be, like, looking at this from the big perspective there, Tatis. Like, uh... I mean, you were we were surprised that one he got in a motorcycle accident. We were more surprised that it was not the first one, apparently. Right, and that he openly shared that there were multiple. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah responding guy, with which one? Yeah, he's a guy that uh, has shown consistently that he makes poor choices uh, in terms of his health and his body. So uh, that's something that you you hope to see moving forward. Maybe he's a little more cautious. Um, but I felt like that's a good segue into this game since we are talking about the Padres and Braves. Um, is there uh, an estimated game for Trout to return, or are we sticking with day-to-day? I, I believe it's day-to-day at this moment in time. And, you know, the sooner he gets back, the better. He's still, like, one of, if not the best player in baseball. Um, oh, hands down. I mean, he's one of the best players to ever live. He's When he's on, like, when he's healthy, I still think he's top, easily top five player in the league. No questions about it, um, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you, you want to see him healthy. You want to see him play a full season. Uh, and, and, gosh, you know, the Angels, it would be great to see them do something. You know, they've got some real star power on that team. You know, they do. You know, with, with, with Trout and Otani, uh, you know, Joe Adele's a highly regarded prospect. Uh, Jared mm-hmm. Walsh, Brandon Marsh. I mean, they got some They got some guys. Yeah, all over the place. So it would be nice to... It'd be nice if they did a thing instead of just coming up short every year. Instead of being the Angels, you know, don't be yeah. the Angels. <laughs> yeah, don't be the Angels, basically. Moral of the story. But, yeah, that's great news. Uh, big sigh of relief for, for Major League Baseball fans because the the game is much, much better when Mike Trout is in it. Oh, it, it really is. I mean, because he's, he's, he's very exciting. He, he produces highlight, uh, highlight-worthy plays. And he's what you want in a baseball player. I mean, outside he's the prototypical of... five-tool player. Like when you hear that term, mm-hmm. five-tool, uh, he is the definition of a five-tooler. Like it's every part of the game, he does it very well. Uh, and 
yeah, it's hard to find prospects like that. So when they do, like when you do, and there's so few and far between that, you know, that's why these guys get these three, four, five hundred million dollar checks, you know, because it's their generational talents, and Mike Trout is certainly that. I mean, yeah, he he is that good. You know, you, mm-hmm. you look at it, he is that good. He is he is that guy. Um. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, a lot of a lot of people, you wonder, is he that guy? Uh, that's never been a doubt. Mike Trout, since the time that he stepped onto the you know onto the field in the big leagues, he has been that guy. He one hundred percent has been. But yeah. let's get into the Sunday night game. Uh, you know, kind of uh, segueing from the, you know the Japanese pitcher, you know, who doesn't tip like, uh, pitch like a Japanese pitcher. You Darvish pitches like a Japanese pitcher with like the thirty thousand different pitches he has, including inventing pitches called the Supreme. Uh, yeah, that that's just awesome. I love that he's giving his own pitches new names, and the, it's awesome. But yeah, this guy has like twelve different pitches he can throw, and it, it, it's insane. And he, we saw a little bit of everything tonight from him too. Uh, yeah, I mean, he he was very impressive. Uh, he he was fantastic. Yeah, uh, he looks like the Darvish of old when he's on. You know, he's a guy that's always been streaky. You know, but but when he's on, he's lights out. Like, it, I mean, I know that his first couple seasons in the league, he's got to be close to the major league record for strikeouts, you know, for least amount of games to reach those plateaus. Um, He's always been a big strikeout guy. So uh, it it was good to see him out there and making guys look silly and swing and miss a lot. Like uh, he's been known to do. And, you know, this is a a great bounce back for us because he struggled against the giants in his last start. They they knocked him around. They really did knock him around. And I, I was wondering if this was going to be that kind of year for him. Uh, so for him to come back and uh, to pitch like he did after having an outing like that, I think it's massive for that team. Um, they have got to be thrilled with the way that he performed, and hopefully, you know, that first game is the anomaly, and uh, you know, this is the rule, not the exception. Mm-hmm. You know, Darvish had uh, eight strikeouts, uh, allowed four hits, one run came across the score, and six and two thirds of the inning. That was a home run off of uh, noted scumbag uh, Marcelo Azuna. Uh, yeah, not much offense in this game either. This was uh, overall, it was a great pitching matchup. Uh, mm-hmm. The elder got the loss, but it, I believe that was one of his first couple starts in the big leagues. He looked okay. Um, he got out of some really bad situations early, um, which was good to see. So, but yeah, this was a, this was a pitching pitchers duel. Um, only seven total hits in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, second career start for Bryce Elder in this game, and he's he was, fa- okay. he was facing a, a pretty good Padres lineup. Uh, you know, 100%. obviously no, didn't no have, Tatis, but you know you yeah. still got Cronenworth, Machado, uh, the usual suspects. So. Yeah, the, the somehow productive early on Eric Hosmer, uh, yeah, somehow it, hitting three seventy eight. How is that possible? Uh, that's that's one of those that'll. <laughs> That won't last very long. We'll see uh, that uh, go the other direction relatively quickly. Yeah, by July he'll be hitting like two forty. So, uh, um, yeah, that's usually what we see from Hosmer. So, but you know, uh, Spencer Strider came in uh, to relieve uh, Bryce Elder. Spencer Strider is an electric arm. Okay. Yeah, um, he was. You mentioned you sent me a text like, "Get ready for this kid. He's electric." And uh, I was very, very impressed with what I saw from him. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, he, he did strike out three. He did walk three, but, you know, he is a young guy. He's going to be be eased into some higher leverage situations. Uh, he could be the closer and waiting for, for anyone who's looking out for, you know, fantasy baseball uh, aspects. Yeah. If you got, like, a dynasty league and want to, like, a, you want to play the long game. 
<laughs> pick up Spencer Strider. I know I did in one of my leagues. Um, uh, I think this outing showed like he, he can be used in many different ways because he pitched three and two-thirds innings. Yeah. Um, he threw 61 pitches. So, you know, he was essentially the second starter of this game for the Braves. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so he's shown that he could be used in that way, but yeah, he's got one of those really live electric arms that you, you could see him morphing into that closer role, um, later on. So it'll be interesting to see, um, what they use him as, but yeah, the, the, I'm okay with the three walks. Like he's young, you know what I mean? Like it, mm-hmm. that's okay. Yeah. He's a young guy. Um, they don't need him to be the, you know, the closer right now. I mean, you look at their bullpen, their bullpen's just stupid. It, it's yeah. got, it's got Kenley Jansen, Will Smith, Colin McHugh, AJ Minter, all before I mentioned Spencer Strider's name. <laughs> yeah, and, and talk about, you know, what an important game Spencer Strider has. All those guys you mentioned didn't have to throw yesterday. Mm-hmm. And, so and, those are all, all guys that they get for the rest of these series, you know, fresh. So uh, really important first, you know, game of the series for Strider. And, and you know, you, you look at uh, – <clears throat> it'd be resetting the, the new series for the, for the Padres. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, but uh, you look at the the Braves. They have two really good prospects, just waiting to get the call down in uh, at down AAA in uh, Toki Toussaint and Kyle Muller. And mm-hmm. you know we we've seen Toussaint before. He's been okay, but I, I honestly just think that he just needs to develop more. He's he's got he's got the tools. Just needs to put it together. Yeah, time. Uh, sometimes all a guy needs is time. And if you can get performances like this, you know, from the guys that they have up there now. Um, that's great. You know, give him more time to develop. Because, you know, I look at Tuki and he's he's only 25. You know what I mean? So, like, yeah. it, it, it's not like he's a 29-year-old guy and we're like, okay, it's it's now or never. It's, he's still 25. Colin Muller's 24. And, like, right. uh, those guys are – they're going to be the next wave for the Braves, you know, when they have to eventually, you know, move on from some guys or make adjustments. I yep. mean, you know, you look at this at this team, they're, they're still doing this without Mike Soroka. Yeah, I, I, their bullpen, their pitching is exactly why I, I ended up picking them to win that division. Um, a lot of people expected maybe a little bit of a, a regression from them after that World Series. Um, you know, we have to remember they made that World Series. They didn't win that many games in the regular season. They were in the, um, they won less than 90. Yeah, but their pitching and, and you know, what, what I saw from those guys in the postseason and some of those young guys that you mentioned that are getting ready to come up and – the guys that are there already and, and the guys like Strider that we saw pitch really well and Elder in his second start pitch well. Like, that's what made me think that this team is capable of winning the division this year. So, um, five and six start for the Braves, you know, but I, I still think that they're going to hang around and they're going to compete. I mean, yeah, because they're, they're, they're playing right now without, you know, their best player, Ronald Acuna Jr. Uh, yep. His season debut could be as soon as May 6th if he has no uh, setbacks on his rehab assignment, which begins tomorrow. Uh, so that would be a huge addition uh, to their lineup uh, to bring back Ronald Acuna Jr., you know, one of the best players in all of baseball. Uh, yeah, we mentioned five-tool player before. Uh, he's he's one of those guys, uh, one of the young, bright stars of Major League Baseball, another one of those guys that the game is just infinitely better with him in it. Um, to think that, you know, if they can get through this and then bring him back healthy, um, they're only going to get better when he returns. So it's important for them to, to get through this, you know, and hopefully he is back by the sixth. Um, but I, I think that the Braves are in a fortunate enough situation that they don't need to rush him. Um, so I hope that they don't rush him. Yeah. Because he, he's a guy He's a guy that I think is a, 
multiple MVP caliber player. Oh, he definitely is. He he is of that that type of player. He does have that you know those traits. He has those skills and he has the you know the abilities to do it. It's just you know if even if he plays you know the the rest of the season, he comes back May and plays the whole season. I still think he has a legitimate shot at MVP if he you know produces in the way that we should expect them to produce. I do too. Uh, I think that there's, especially with the short spring, um, you know, guys like Tatis being out, like I, I think that they're going to give a little bit of a benefit of the doubt for guys playing less games. Um, you know, in a, in a regular season, you might look at a guy and, and say he didn't play enough games to win MVP. But I think in this year, they're going to kind of give guys a little bit of a break. So yeah, I think that he has a really legitimate chance of winning MVP in the national league. Yeah, he, he really does. Um, and with that, uh, we need to start the preview of the, the White Sox series uh, with the Guardians. Yeah, uh, let's get into that. As we mentioned, today's game on Monday is postponed, so we get an extra day of just kind of relax, decompress, they can decompress. But uh, tomorrow's matchup is Shane Bieber versus Dallas Keuchel. Mm-hmm. And this is a, a very crucial matchup for the Guardians. Uh, the White Sox as well, but... You know, the Guardians, they lost three in a row. The, the White Sox are the presumed favorite in the division. They're currently 6-3 and three atop the division. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they do have a lineup that is very, very good. And that's going to present some problems, <laughs> honestly. Uh, yeah, we both picked this team to, to run away with the division. And uh, this is a very, very huge, uh, you know, early season series against the White Sox. So, uh I think we caught a little bit of a break today, getting the weather delay, um, because you know they're they're going to be they're going to be trying to sweep this series, the White Sox, um, and I, I think that they've got it, the lineup to uh, to put up a lot of runs against us. So it's going to be interesting um, to see how it shakes out. But uh, yeah, pretty important series. I mean, the, if 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 we get swept this series again, it's going to be a, a really difficult uh, climb in the division for the rest of the year. Yeah, uh, you know, they, they say divisions can't be won uh, in April, but they can certainly be lost in April. Bingo. Uh, That's where I was going with that. They, yeah. they cannot be won this early, but they can be lost. Uh, the Guardians are okay. You know, we knew they were going to have some hiccups and struggle early on in the season, mm-hmm. um, but they cannot afford to get swept with in the division they just cannot afford that um so yeah they, they need a, a a really good performance out of shane bieber hopefully he can get his first w of the year mm-hmm. and and looking at the uh the pitching matchups here complete opposite of the last series where it looks like cleveland's pitchers have pretty much just shoved it up the ass of the white Sox batters um, yeah looking, i agree looking at uh their uh comparisons we'll get into the other two's uh guys uh in a second but first i mean Against the White Sox, Shane Bieber has shut them down pretty much. Uh, the only guy doing any sort of damage is Jose Abreu, and uh, to a little bit uh, of a different extent, Tim Anderson and any sort of uh, large uh, sample size. But as a team, the White Sox are slashing 162, 178, 255, striking out 41 times in 121 at-bats. Uh, Abreu does has gone 8 for 30 with three home runs. Uh, Tim Anderson is eight for twenty-seven with two doubles, but after that, it's a whole bunch of who the hell cares. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I mean, offensively, we've actually been outperforming the White Sox so far on the year. Um, mm-hmm. uh, that, but you know, we we have to find out how how much of that 
you know, big offensive outbursts was the opponent. You know, how, how much of that was mm -hmm. us just taking advantage of uh, a weaker team. And I think we could find this out in a series like this against Chicago where you're facing the favorite in the division, um, you know, familiar foe, you know who you're going up against, and you've got pitching that has, you know, pitched well against these guys, and then you have a lot of guys in their, their lineup that are struggling right now. So really, I, I think it's really good timing for this series for the Guardians, and I, I think this is a good opportunity for for us to bounce back off of that three-game losing streak against San Francisco and, and get their first win at home. Yeah, and a couple other guys in the White Sox lineup uh, with moderate sample sizes, I guess. Uh, Lori Garcia's two for ten. He somehow has a home run against mm -hmm. Bieber. Uh, Luis Robert, one for 12 with a double. And uh, Eloy Jimenez is three for eight with two doubles. Uh, looking at the Guardians lineup of uh, sample sizes of note, Jose Ramirez, seven for 22 with four doubles against Dallas Keuchel. Framil like Reyes, three for 12 with a double. And Ahmed Rosario, six for 16 with a home run against Dallas Keuchel. Good stuff. I like so that. that. That's really good to see. Everyone else in the lineup uh, has... Four at-bats or less. I'm not counting Anthony Ghost back from when he used to be an outfielder for the Tigers because <laughs> mm -hmm. he's on this list as well. But yeah. uh, he will not be taking any uh, at-bats uh, on Tuesday. Uh, going into game two, it's it's more of the same, it looks like, with the, with uh, Tristan McKenzie doing a pretty good job against the White Sox. Tim Anderson's one for nine. Jose Abreu's one for six. Anderson's one home uh, hit is a home run. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's those are the largest sample sizes there. But he McKenzie has... Looked, he looked really good his last time out, too. Mm -hmm. he, yep, he struck out... He has 16 strikeouts and 42 at-bats against these guys. Uh, right now, I believe it's uh, Jimmy Lambert is slated to start the second game for the White Sox. But... Uh, yep, that's who I've got. <laughs> yeah, He's I, off to a 0-1 oh, one, oh, one start. He's got a 6 ERA. Uh, he's only pitched three innings, though. So. Yeah, and... You know this matchup, I guess, is subject to change because he's the the lesser guy of the guys that were supposed to be pitching. So we don't know if they're going to shuffle around their pitching rotation. But this is what it has for now. Yeah. But, uh, Jose Ramirez is one for four with a home run. Ahmed Rosario is two for four, and that's really about it uh, for for past uh, history there. And the final game, we got Zach Plesac, who probably has the the worst history against uh, these White Sox guys, they they knocked him around a little bit, but it's yeah. it's it's not horrible, I'll say. Yeah. But like you would like to see better numbers because Jose Abreu four for seventeen with a double and a homer, Tim mm. Anderson four for eighteen with two homers, Adam Engel with two doubles uh, is four for ten, Lori Garcia five for thirteen with a uh, double, Yasmani Grandal three for thirteen. Uh, that one's a little bit on the, the lower side, but uh, somehow Eloy Jimenez is only two for 15 with two doubles against uh, Plesak. Oh, wow. Yeah, That's but, interesting. Uh, Luis Robert, five for 10 with two doubles. Uh, so, yeah, uh, he's really only giving up home runs to the usual suspects, Brayu and Anderson, but mm -hmm. uh, quite a bit of doubles, and you know, doubles can add up real quick. Yeah, but, that's the one matchup that they, they definitely have an edge. Uh, they'll definitely be favored to win that, that particular game. That matchup's not not the best. Yeah, meanwhile, the White Sox will trot out Dylan Cease for the final game. Um, history of note, Jose Ramirez 2 for 9 with the double. Fermio Reyes 2 for 6 with the double. Ahmed Rosario 3 for 7. So a lot of guys that haven't really faced him. 
Um, but hey, we got to remember we've got league leader in batting average, Owen Miller, in the middle of our lineup. So hopefully he can do some damage there. Yeah, and you know, looking at Cease's career, uh, 4.30 career ERA, 1.346 WHIP. Like he's fine. Mm-hmm. He's, he's fine, but like, yeah. it, he is averaging a career high right now, thirteen and a half strikeouts per nine. But you don't know how long. How much it's early. Been. It's it's very early. It's been two games. He's yeah. you know he he struck out you know uh, sixteen guys in ten innings. So right, yeah, those are good numbers. But but yeah, it's a it's a very small sample size. So uh, it's not something we expect him to maintain throughout the season. So and then the guys that. You mentioned that have hit him well, you know, are struggling a little bit. Like Luis Roberts, only batting 194 right now. Mm-hmm. He's only got he's only got the three RBIs. He does have two home runs, but um, yeah. So so some of those guys aren't aren't hot right now. So that's good. So that that should help uh, their, uh, I guess, keeping things even, keeping things level a little bit. Uh, yeah, that's that's what I was going for with that. It was yeah. a little bit of a leveler there. Yeah, you know, because you know, with how how poorly the bats were for the Giants uh, against the Giants in the last series, and you know, facing the the White Sox in this series, maybe things level out a little bit. They have a you know someone who they're facing someone they're familiar with that have good success against. I think that's going to play a huge factor in this series. Yeah, and honestly, you know, turning things around at home, winning the series would be great. You know, uh, g- give me two out of three, two, and I'll be happy. Especially as they're about to head out on a long road trip that includes a trip to the West Coast. Yes, uh, yeah, I'd be more than happy with two out of three. That's for certain. Um, you know, we got to play them nineteen te- or nineteen games this season. Um, so a lot of games against them. Um, it would be awesome if we could start out with a, a two two to one lead over them. Um, it, early in the season, you know, and it, it's going to tell a lot about this Guardians team too. How much of the lack of offense was due to the Giants pitching doing very, very well, and how much of it is that this team is just kind of having a return to earth moment. Um, you know, I, I think we're going to learn a lot about where the offense is at here against Chicago. And I think it will say a lot about um, the team's ability to, you know, put a bad series behind them and uh, their resiliency uh, overall. And how they're able to, you know, put things together and get back in a better spot mentally. Yeah, and for a young team, they've shown they could do it once. You know, they started the year 0-2, and then they went on a four-game winning streak. So here we are. We find ourselves in a very similar situation. Uh, coming off of a three-game slide, uh, let's see if they can do it again. You know, we got a familiar foe uh, coming into town and uh, some guys that have hit – they're pitching well, so this is the perfect opportunity for the bats to warm back up, um, and for us to make a statement that you know what we're we're going to be better this season than a lot of people thought we were going to be, uh, and we're going to give you know the White Sox everything we've got uh, every time that we go up against them. Yeah, it should be a, a very entertaining series, uh, which is now just three games. Um... Yeah, the one game is delayed, so it, they they're not trying to forcing a, a doubleheader or anything early in the year. They're going to move that back later into the season. Yep, uh, that game's been postponed to July, I believe. Um, but it all depends on what the weather tomorrow is going to be like because it's still supposed to be snowing tomorrow and cold as shit. So, uh, yes, but the, the good news is is we will not get 
We will not get swept in four games by the White Sox. That that has been guaranteed to not happen uh, by the weather. So a little bit of a thank you to the weather gods on that one. We, we at least know we're not going to go on 0-4. Oh that, yeah, that's a good start. So <laughs> we'll take that. We'll, we'll be like, all right. Yeah. Reasons to be optimistic uh, is all I'm saying. We're only a game under 500. We've got a chance to get right back over top of it. It's it's a long season, very long season. There's still over 150 games left. <laughs> it, yes, there's going to be a lot of back and forth like this. That's that's why we didn't come in here like sounding the alarms or anything. Because last show we were really high. You know, we, we were. It was it was we won four games in a row. We were really excited to talk about this team. Uh, we could have been in, came into the show very despondent, but we're not, you know, because it's early, and we still do have over 150 games. So, you know, let's let's give this team some time to to see where things are at and and see what guys are going to give us, and uh, we could reevaluate reevaluate the team in a month or two and, and see if our expectations have been changed at all. Yeah, the the only things that we're just you know kind of looking out for right now is just uh, you know evaluating certain guys and hoping that they, you know make the definite decision in regards to others. Yeah, this is a very much find out who who on your team is going to stay, who who needs to go. Um the the young guys, you need to give them a chance to play. Um you know, find out what you've got and guys like Lavastida, you know, so that you can figure out what you're going to do with Hedges going forward. Um that's that's what I'm looking for over the next month in this Guardians team. Uh, is see what those guys is going to give us uh, and, and how what the best fit looks like lineup wise for us moving forward. And then the other thing is just stay healthy, you know, like just get through these bad weather games, stay healthy um, and, and just kind of reduce the damage. And uh, remember that it's a very long season and we got a long way to go. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's a reason why we we pick this team to, you know, not necessarily achieve right. the loftiest expectations before the year and it's because there's there's some question marks there's some evaluation and you know overall it, we both came into the season be like this is a transition year yeah it's very much a transition year this is not a uh win the world series type season for us it's uh more of a figuring out who you are uh and what your needs are moving forward so um totally happy with the way that they've played so far i'd love to see the bats get warmed back up um but yeah, you know, it's there's a lot of holes on this team. There's a lot of weaknesses, so we can expect the uh, we're going to get swept from time to time. That's going to mm-hmm. happen. So um, yeah, no need to uh, to sound too many alarms yet. But also, you know, it's important to remember we need to have re- reasonable expectations for this team. While we did have fun with the four game winning streak and mm-hmm. Stephen Kwan getting on base a thousand times, like we, still, <laughs> we do have to remember that this is the youngest team in Major League Baseball, and we're probably not going to win the division or make the postseason this year. Yeah, and I think with that, that's a good spot to end this on. Uh, This has been uh, Guarding the Corner. Uh, Like, comment, share, subscribe. Available on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and thisisbelieveone.com. Tell your friends and family or else it's stealing. Uh, Anything else you'd like to add there, Brian? Uh, No, just go Guardians. I'm all in on the name, the rebrand. I do want to mention that. The the name feels right. I'm, I'm starting to get comfortable with Guardians. Uh, it, it feels like a good fit, so I do want to mention that. I'm all in on the name change now. Um, I, I did slip up and say the old name once this episode. I apologize for that. Uh, but, yeah, I just wanted to mention that. Like, Go Guardians, this new era is – it's it's very refreshing to, to have separated ourselves from that stain on our history, we could call it. 
Yeah, and you know, I think uh, for the most part, a lot of people are in. I still see a lot of people still, you know, dragging uh, their feet, dragging their feet. They're they're still repping the old gear. Uh, mm-hmm. There was even someone with a very confusing protest sign at the home opener. Uh, uh, but, of course. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll get into that later if there's any kind of newsworthy stuff that happens with that. But, uh, uh, yeah, I just wanted to mention that. I wanted to uh, to mention that because I think it's important. Yeah, It's important to, to, to remember that this is a, a year where we're reestablishing our identity uh, as a team and as a city. And I just can't be happier to have moved on from a name I never really was crazy about and I think was, you know, really offensive to a lot of people for a long time. So uh, go Guardians. Go Guardians. All right.